0: Coming to you, live from Canada, here comes your game-changing, life-transforming, turning point moment. Ahem. Yes, this is the sign you've been looking for. You're listening to Engage City Church, powered by hope, not hype, online at engagechurch.ca. Wow, Spruce Grove. Listen, I like it. We, uh... We come from a broken down, beaten, defeated, ex-steel town, uh, living completely overshadowed by the metropolis of Toronto, and we went there in 2000, my wife and I and my two little daughters who were pre-teens at the time, and uh, there was no ARC development church system. We only had Noah's Ark. That's what we had to work with. Uh, There was no plans on how to build and pioneer a church, so we were clueless. We had no idea what to do, so we did the only thing we knew how to do was pray, and we began to pray, and of course, you know the way the enemy works. The moment you start doing something good, how many know what I'm talking about? It just seems like he appears. He never appears when you're doing bad. Do you ever notice that? It's only when you start moving forward. And we get in, and we're praying, and we're starting to declare and call this city that isn't something that it should be. And bam, our newspaper comes out with a week-long series. And this is what it is. Hamilton is destroyed and will never rise again. (laughs) Hamilton is finished. And we're like, we put these, cut them out because there was no Internet then. I think my computer screen was still green and just had letters on it. So we cut these articles out and we pasted them up and we were crazy. We were so crazy because God wanted us there and we said, we don't care what the newspaper says. We began to pray and declare and announce to everybody that we could meet God's going to transform Hamilton. We believe not for a revival. We believe for a transformation, not just people getting saved, a change to the city's name, its future, its view around the world. Can I tell you, we prayed for three years, five nights a week, three years, while building a building, while maintaining a church, In 2011, there came a week long of articles in the same newspaper. You know what the opening article is? Revival sweeps Hamilton. Out of the ashes rises a new city. It has become so popular and so transformed, there is a real estate boom. You can't put enough houses on the market. There are thousands of people pouring in from all over the world. To be in Hamilton, the very neighborhood where our church was, is where it all began, and it is the fastest, most elevated revival of economy, culture, and Christ that you have ever seen in your life. You say, well, you know, you're just a church. No, we had the power and the presence of God. We went and lived in the neighborhood we wanted to see transformed. Church people called us crazy. Why would you move out of the suburbs into the ghetto? We said, because God gave us a building in the ghetto, and why would we drive from the suburbs to the ghetto to do church? What message does that convey? But we didn't know young people started buying houses because you could get them for like almost free. People would leave notes in the church mailbox, I want to sell my house, will you buy it? We were buying houses between eighty and a hundred thousand dollars. We began to work together like crazy Christian Mennonites, and we began to barn raise and transform house after house. The same houses that were being bought in in the early two thousands for eighty to a hundred thousand are now selling between four and six hundred thousand, and it has totally transformed our city, Spruce Grove. God's got some plans for you, and I know you think you're just a church, but you're the body of Christ. You have the presence and the power of God not only to change lives, change culture, change economies, change destinies for an entire nation. God is in the north. I'm shocked at how far north we are because right now it's nicer here than it is at home. So if you don't mind, if we can stay a couple extra days, we're really enjoying the sun. Because I looked at the weather forecast at home, and it's all rain and cold. Thank you, Pastor Brett and Dez, for having us. They have been friends for years. They've been at our church a number of times. Our church loves them. We love you. It's our first time meeting you. Hey, good to see you. You're better looking in person than in pictures. Is that All right. We've been in this series called Too Good to Be True, a series on grace at our church. And, you know, I know Christians generally, you say the word grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, and everybody goes, oh, yeah, grace. I mean, we we get it. But I don't think we really get it because grace and the understanding of God's grace is so deep that even as seasoned veterans of Christianity, we begin to realize, oh, my gosh, we're just scratching the surface. You know what happens, you get into church culture, everything becomes about who you are within the church. And when you start to realize there's so much more that God has for us, this series wrecked our church. And I just want to do one little message from that series, is that all right? How many have ever seen the ads for Disney and Walt Disney World on TV? The Magical Kingdom. Doesn't it look awesome? I mean, seriously, like all you can do when you see that, if you got kids, every kid wants to go to Disney. Anytime you win something, hey, I want to go to Disney. I don't know what it is, but their commercials are so magical. And they just draw you in, and before you know it, you're on the computer, and you're, you're purchasing a week's pass, or you're making plans to go, and the whole family's going to Disney, and you tell everybody, we're going to Disney. You ever notice you get so excited, the promise of an incredible time is what is in front of you. And then you get there. How many of you have ever been to Disney? If you don't get that advanced parking pass that moves you close to the tram, you don't realize when you arrive and you just get the general parking that you park so far away from the park you got to take a tram from the parking lot to get to the tram that takes you into the park. I mean, it's a double tram. (laughs) It is not very uncommon that it could take you upwards of an hour to get from the parking lot through the front gate. You haven't even been in the park yet and you've already blown an hour just getting there. That's not including the time you took to drive, to wait in line, to get into the parking lot, to go to the general parking, to get in line in the tram, to go to the other tram that eventually takes you into the park. Then you line up to go through security to get through the front gate, and then you have to present your ticket. You get through the gate, and there it is, the sea of humanity in the most magical kingdom on Earth. I forget what the statistic is, but it's somewhere close to 7% of all the world's population goes through Disney in a year. I mean, it is, it's magical. And though the promise seems so good when you were looking at it and desiring it, the present actions and the present experience when you arrive is far from magical. And then you watch the process. There is, we call that the witching hour. It is between 4 and 7 p.m. That's when demons swarm the park, enter the hearts and minds of all children, and they begin manifesting all across the entire park. It does not matter what culture, race, creed, or religion the parents are. You can be spirit-filled. You can be an atheist. Demons enter the hearts of the children, and they completely melt down because they've had... They are an overload sensory. They have had every treat they never should have had in a million years. They are sleep deprived and parents go, wow, isn't this great? <laughs> Sometimes I think we often present Christianity like Disney World. We, we promise the magical kingdom of forever in heaven and that's often the way Christianity is presented And the reality is, yes, heaven is a great reward for our eternity, but there's a lot of living to do while we're still here. And I think the grace of God is here to help us understand that grace wants us to be successful now, in our now, in our everyday, with our families, with our careers. Yes, I can't wait to spend an eternity in heaven, but while we're alive here on earth, I'd like to leave this earth successful, you. I started broken down, beaten out. I started at the bottom. But Christ is going to take us up. When grace and salvation only become about where you end up when you die, then we've only answered half the question. The other half of the question is, man, how do I get through this life? And I think the church, its sole function, yes, it's the point you to eternity, but it's to equip, train, and community you, family you, bring you into the family to help you and I live successfully while here on earth. You say, well, I'm successful. You know, I, I, I'm good. Thank you. I mean, I appreciate Jesus. It's good. We're, we're good. And that may be true, and praise God, if you're good, that's awesome, but how many people around you, their soul's still broken? There's a lot of broken souls that live in Spruce Grove. You know what I mean? You know any? How many know some broken souls? Grace doesn't just impact your destiny. It changes your identity. It wants to transform you. It doesn't just change where you're going. It wants to change who you are. And you may have started out one way, and if you've been recently saved in the last couple years in this church Praise God, this is a church where people are actually getting saved. There's not a lot of them if you didn't know that. But part of being saved is just this. That's the starter pistol going off. There's a race to run. Grace is not something that just blesses you in the next life. It empowers you in this life. God wants you to be filled with such love and such passion that you just just emote. You just you know explode the love and the mercy of God everywhere you go now i i get it i i know i know it's tough i drive too <laughs> you know i shop too and i'm not always giving god praise when i'm i'm in traffic I'm not always giving God praise the way I should when I'm in scenarios that cause frustration and difficulty. When you get passed over for that promotion at work that you expected to get, I know it's tough in those moments to lift your hands and go, God, you're good. But I'm telling you, if we can start to understand the power of grace in those scenarios, Promotions that are coming will blow your mind. Positions that are available that God has reserved for you are incredible. But he's interested in making us into who he wants us to be, not just getting us to go where we want to be. Because I tell you what, thank God I didn't get the blessing that I have now 15 years ago when we started the church. I wouldn't be here. He's a good father, a really good one. You know that good, good father? that's the song you can never get out of <laughs> if you're a musician you know exactly what i'm talking about there's just no ending spot for it you almost have to crash the plane just to get out john 10:10 says this interesting little statement he says the thief or satan's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy now It's not somebody you really want to hang out with. Most of us did, whether we wanted to or not, before Christ. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Now, can we be honest? I I appreciate us white Anglo-Saxon people. But there are times when the Bible just doesn't sound as impressive when we read it. Now, can we read this again? But we're going to introduce Antonio Banderas (laughs) from Puss and Boots. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. A rich and satisfying life. I feel like I'm in a Nabob coffee commercial. Juan Carlos is somewhere on the mountainside, and they're trying to give him a macchiato. A rich and satisfying life. Can we be honest? I'm not sure that most of us even think we deserve a rich and satisfying life. We're honest. We're our worst enemy, right? We're typically self-destructive in most of our ways. We generally don't like ourselves. Can we be honest? If you do like yourself, congratulations. You must have found a Circle of Life prayer book from Disney that I didn't know was available. You know, my mission in life has been to embrace me like Christ has embraced me. Because we know our flaws. We we know the things we do. We know the things we say in our minds that don't come out of our mouths. We know the things that we say in our minds and come out of our mouths. It's a little scary. So when we start talking about Christ wanting to give us a rich and satisfying life, I'm not sure at times we, we want it or think we deserve it, but Christ came and gave his life so we could have a rich and satisfying life. He wants us to be healthy in our soul. We may have started broken, but he's in the healing business. He wants our souls to be restored, transformed. I've seen a city transform, but I'm more impressed with the transformed lives that surround me. God can change economies like that. He can change a cultural mindset, but man, what he can do with a broken life and you see them whole, and you see them together, and you see them serving and giving out of what they didn't even possess a short time ago. It's a rich and satisfying life. Now, this word, the rich and satisfying part, in different translations, it uses different words abundantly, and abundant life. Now, if you look in the Greek, that abundant, man, I, I dig the Greek, I can't pronounce 99% of the words, so I I hit the little speaker on the app, and then I have to write it phonically down in, in pieces so I could ever repeat it. So I didn't even bother trying to translate this one. But listen to the definition of this. Abundantly or rich and satisfying is exceeding some number, beyond a number, measure or rank needed, over and above, more than is necessary. But here is my favorite word out of the whole thing. Are you ready for this? Super added. <laughs> that God will give you a super added life. Now, i got news for you. There's a lot of times my life doesn't feel super added. My life doesn't feel super or added. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm flatlining most of the time, and I'm looking for the paramedics to come rescue me. But the life that Christ wants to give you and I is super added. It's so rich. It's so abundant. It's so exceeding what we could ever ask, think, or imagine that the world around us is going, okay, tell me how you ended up like this. What happened? Tell me your story. We're Christians. Tell me your testimony. No, no, tell me your story. What caused this incredible transformation of your life? That's why I love the church that's filled with new believers, people that are getting saved all the time. Sure, there's spiritual diapers to change and nursing and feeding and a lot of maintenance to look after to raise them up. But man, when they're transformed, their story is so impactful. Everywhere they go, people know who they once were. And they see who they are now. God is planning a rich and satisfying life for us. But we need a relationship with Christ to access it. Grace empowers you to live right now. But we have this mentality in Christianity that, uh, you know, how do we put it? We go, man, it's a sacrifice. Oh, man, I, I had to go over Saturday and. Clean the church, and you know, I really wanted to do something else. And you know, my girlfriend called, Oh, what a sacrifice! Sure hope God's keeping track. <laughs> what, when, when, when did we take on this belief system that serving Christ was a sacrifice? Who, who lied to us? us us Ephesians, who bewitched us, who tricked us into this belief system that it's a sacrifice to serve God. Sometimes, you know, brother, you just got to bear your cross. (laughs) Take one for the team. I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. Jesus is the one that bore the cross, not us. He's the living sacrifice. You know what we're called to surrender? Now, this is a real tough one. I'm called to surrender first my demented thinking, my self destructive nature, my crazy, ridiculous thought process. Yes, I'm called to lay that down. And what do I get in return now that, you know, I know we get the short end of the stick sometimes. But I end up with joy, peace, whole soul, healed in my heart. I'm balanced, I'm stable. I'm loving, I'm kind, people like me, they really like me. I mean, Stuart smiling, and I were close. When you think about a rich and satisfying life, it's only one surrender away. It's only one surrender away. It's like, I get rid of the garbage and I get the gold. Now can I just put it this way to you cuz I kn- I know sometimes it just seems too far fetched or too good to be true but say you get a letter in the mail from a lawyer and you are asked to attend the reading of a will of a rich relative and you are about to inherit an incredible fortune and you get it and you're upset because they didn't provide transportation to the law office for you. So you had to drive yourself. And then, can you believe this? You had to drive yourself to the reading of the will. Oh, that's not it. You had to pay for parking. Can you believe the nerve of that estate? At least they could have done is sent a limo to you. And then you had to take time off work. You almost lost your job to inherit millions of dollars. Do you think you could find any sympathizers with your plight? You're expressing this difficulty to your friends and they're going, you're sick. Seriously, you need help. You, You know, there's the cup half empty. You don't see the cup at all. And that's the way we live a lot of times. We have this rich and satisfying life. We have these riches that are just so unfathomable. And yet we live so frustrated and locked down in our own defeat, in our own broken soulness that people can't even imagine that we complain Like, Look at the family of God around you. You don't even have relatives that like you and you're surrounded with hundreds of people that love you. You can call on people in a minute and have an army come and help you out. You are so expressive in your emotions. Most of us, you know, we look like very aged people. You know, our arm only goes this high anymore. Like, man, we can lift our hands. We can praise God. Look at this church that you get to be part of. Come on, man. Do you know how many people hate going to church? I mean, just the coffee bus alone. <laughs> Who's kidding me? You have good sound. You have a great worship. Most people live tortured just listening to the music that they have to go to. People come into our church and they're like, wow, it's it's very full, volume full. And I'm like, exactly. They go, why do you do that? So you'll sing. Because if it was quiet in here, there would be five people singing. Because we only sound good when we're singing together. You notice that? When I start singing with you, my gosh, I got a career. Really? Like I'm good. But if you singled me out, you'd all be running for the door. See, the power of community, that's what we get with this rich and satisfying life. Come on. Spruce Grove, engage. Engage. It's not just the name of your church. Engage in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Go after that rich and satisfying life that he has for you. I know we got problems. We always are going to have problems. If you've overcome a problem recently, there is a new problem to overcome. We need to get excited about overcoming problems, not defeated in having problems. Let's get excited about overcoming problems. I think there's two parties that every church needs to throw every year. First of all, we need to throw a giant birthday party for everybody in the church one time, all come together for when you got saved. I mean, it should be a pig roast, throw down, get rid of the chairs, dance your feet off all night long. The the lights, the ball, DJ, I'm talking a throw down, a party that unsaved people want to come to. What is this party you're going to? Oh, it's our birthday party. For everybody, yeah, we're all celebrating the day we got saved. Come on, we're celebrating this rich and satisfying life. Then, come on, there's one more party you got to have. We should have an annual party every year, an overcomers party. I'm so tired of people just looking like they lost their dog all the time. Come on, it's time to start celebrating. Sure, there's mountains ahead. But like Caleb and Joshua, let's start throwing down for the mountains we've overcome in the past year. Let's start celebrating, declaring the goodness of God. Look what God has done in my life this past year. Man, have testimonies, have stories, have cakes, have all the things that we shouldn't eat. And then we'll go back to our rabbit food diets the day after. Make it a place where children grow up in the house of God and they're like, I've never partied like I've partied with the church. That's the trouble. Every time the world comes in and gets saved, the best times they had a lot of times were out in the world. No, no, this is a rich and satisfying life. This is a place of celebration. If you look at the Hebrew culture, they had seven feasts throughout the year. Why? Because they kept partying and celebrating and remembering what God had done for them. Make this place a place of remembrance where people celebrate what God's done and get excited about the future of what he's going to do in and through you this year. You say, well, you didn't use a lot of scripture. I don't know that we need a whole lot more than John 10.10. There's a lot being said there. I could give you a whole nother section. I don't think it accomplishes the purpose. Who wants is willing to say, I want a rich and satisfying life. I mean, seriously, I, I know I may don't deserve it. A lot of times I'm my own worst enemy. But I want a rich and satisfying life. I want to be engaged in my soul. I love the house of God. I keep thinking I'm 52. I've been 52 now for two years. (laughs) My children keep thinking I'm 50, but I came to this stunning conclusion last week because I calculated my birthday from my birth that I'm going to be 54 this year. I didn't even realize it, but I have been loving the house of God since the day I was born. I've been serving in his house, and I was such a screw up. I put the screw in up. I mean, I was a messed up church kid. But throughout it all, I loved his house. And I have fought through all the levels of crazy religion and crazy ideas. and. Here I am going to be 54 this year and still in love with Jesus and loving his church. If you could put those two things together, your love for Christ and your love for his house and his people together, engage, you will transform this community. This is, this is a starter set. You get it, right? This is where you're just getting warmed up. This is the training ground. There's many more broken lives out there that God is ready to reach in and through you. They're going to be taken care of by you. They're going to be loved in your home. They're going to be brought to His house through your life. Do you want that rich and satisfying life? Can I pray for you today? God, I speak clarity right now To this house I speak a rich and satisfying life I speak and declare the goodness of God for this community I declare right now that you are good and you are worthy to be praised through every life that sits in this house God in spite in spite of our broken souls your grace heals us your grace covers us your grace walks with us your grace carries us at times God you have great plans for us God build every life in this house transform every heart and mind renew it and build this community to know that Jesus Christ is Lord in and through his people God, we bless you today for your presence and your house and your servants. God, give us a fresh love for your kingdom, for your church and for your people and for everyone who is still lost, every son and daughter who has not come home yet, God. Let us reach them. Let us search for them like they're silver and gold. God, we give you praise in Jesus' name.
1: We stand together. Jesus. It's time for some tithes and offerings, and oh, some other good for Mondays. Remember, if you uh, haven't been to church before, you fill out our white uh, our white card, and we'll hook you up with a five dollar perks card because we love you, and that's what we do. We also have our uh, our ties and offerings, which uh, we have the debit credit machine in the back. You could do cash money, or you could give on the line because. As we always say, we're cool like that. You're for Monday. There's over 7 billion people in this world. Two-thirds of them don't know Jesus. Two billion people in this world have never even heard of the name Jesus. Life expectancy in Canada is 82 years old. And on average, every day, you will meet two or three people who you have a meaningful conversation with. So if the life expectancy is 82 years, and you're meeting two to three people, that's 60 to 80,000 people in your life that you can impact. 80,000, 80,000, 80,000, 80,000. So you're for Monday. Start using those two to three meaningful conversations so that two billion people, the two thirds of this world, We'll start learning about Jesus. 80,000, 80,000, 80,000. Thank you for coming.
0: You've been listening to The Engage Life, powered by Engage City Church. If you like what you heard, check out EngageChurch.ca.